Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. On episode 9 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, the original crew was back as Adam and Scott discussed the Burnley win and the upcoming Huddersfield match. We also mixed in a little transfer question in between, and we do talk about our predictions for the upcoming Huddersfield game, and both of us seem to think West Ham are going to keep a clean sheet. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. All right, welcome to the Green Street Hammers podcast. This is episode nine. We're back with you, for you, with you, for you, about West Ham. Uh, We are here in episode nine, just after a big Burnley win and ahead of a big uh, Huddersfield game away. Uh, Scott, you are with me. You are back. You are sick. You are feeling finally uh, game shape again. Uh, How are we doing? How are you feeling coming off that big win for West Ham? Yeah, good. Much better than I was last week. Uh, as you said on the podcast, they kind of combined my actual illness with a bit of West Ham down. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, that win against Burnley was a very good antidote to that because we actually scored and got the three points, which was a big thing coming into like a really good run of games. So. It was certainly a performance that we needed as a team, I think, and one we can kind of build on here. Um, which just us for this one, a throwback to the first couple episodes. Jeff and Jeremiah, we are without you right now, but uh, I'm sure they'll be back in in, in due time. Uh, we're going to start with our recap of the Burnley match. I think sometimes we focus a lot on the negatives of bad games, and we can sort of drag that out. It's been a little while since this game's gone by, so I would like to do the opposite and focus now on our positives of this match. Um, just a couple stats to throw at you here, and you can let me let me know your thoughts along the way if this sounds like the West Ham you know and love. Shots, 22. Shots on target, 10. Possession, 63%. Passes, 527 with an accuracy of 80%. And 10 corners. Does that sound like the usual regular West Ham? Uh, I mean, to actually see us on the front foot for that long was really good. I mean, the 22 shots and 10 on target sounds about right for our ratio as normal. Uh, but it's, yeah, it was a lot better. The fact is we could have had six, seven goals uh, from there if uh, we had one or two more uh, clinical finishes. There was a crazy clearance off the line oh. by Ben Bender. I felt like I couldn't believe he managed that one. And it's just one of those things where you go, okay, I know we got 4-2 and it was 2-1 until the 80th, 83rd minute or something like that. But we came through. 
we kept on pushing forward. Um, there are things to work on defensively uh, because we still look a little bit worried from set pieces. But overall, I mean, the stats there do actually speak volumes about how much we had of the ball, how much we got forward with it. And it was really good to see. Um, I mean, Dion Garner has really helped that sort of push forward on the right-hand side. Uh, it means that we don't miss Yarmolenko nearly as much as we thought we would. A name You're not even really hearing the name Yarmolenko anymore. And for someone who was actually in pretty good form, uh, that's that's saying something for West Ham. Um, let's start. Let's start with the youngster Grady Diangana. He is just as our de facto right wing starter now, uh, and I'm I'm more than happy with that. Uh, I just wrote an article today going up uh, on uh, the eleven or the eighth, sorry, of November uh, about predicting a goal for Grady Diangana. I think he's going to have at least one in them for this Huddersfield match, but we'll get to that in a minute. But he looked so dangerous in this match, and I think what's really important. I, I look at the lineup here. Uh, just based off of uh, of the match facts. And it, they have the team set up as a 4-1-4-1. And I don't think that's a, at all what this team is set up like. Uh, I really do think it's a, it's a 4-3-3. And you have two midfielders that are more advanced with Pedro Obang and Snodgrass. But what's important in that lineup, and specifically with the midfield, is Snodgrass was playing on the right side of the midfield behind Diangana with Zabaleta there as well. They are insulating and throwing a lot of experience and vocal players behind him. Then by they, I mean I mean Pellegrini, really. Uh, and it's super important, I think, to have someone who's actually taking charge down that side. And it appears to be Zabaleta, but Snodgrass is is a, being a leader as well. But uh, there was actually one time, it was one of the first uh, take-ons that Diangana had, which was six, uh, six take-ons he had in the game, which is the most of any single game performance by any Premier League player this season, which is crazy. Um, but Dean Ghana had the ball, and the, the fullback wasn't really pushing him, wasn't really trying to get the ball off of him or anything. And he uh, he was sort of looking around, looking, and, and Snodgrass was there, but it wasn't really a good idea to pass it to him. And you could audibly hear Snodgrass yelling, take him on, take him on, take him on. And Dean Ghana just like puts his head down and runs forward and sort of does a couple step overs. He ended up losing possession of the ball, but that was really early on, and it was an encouraging sign to see, and it's good to see the communication and hear the communication, see that Diangana's actually taking it. Yeah, I think uh, he really did change the way we play because Yarmolenko is, I think, he's a very good uh, right-sided inverted winger. That is someone who gets down the line but then would look to cut in. Diangana plays in a slightly more conventional way, uh, in the fact that he will attack their left back and just looks to take them on. Um, he doesn't have a bad left foot. Uh, I'd say, to be honest, like from memory, I can't particularly tell which side it is. I I mean, uh, if we're going with odds, it would probably be his right foot, but he's not He's not afraid to take them on and put it on his right foot. No. Uh, either way, so he plays in that kind of... Uh, he plays in that, that role. So it's a case of... It stretches their defence a little bit more than Yarmolenko because the the left side, the left back knows that he can pretty much just let Yarmolenko have that wide space uh, as long as he doesn't cut back in on his left foot. He doesn't have the same danger uh, that uh, other wingers would. So he does change that. And uh, Snodgrass for me as well was another influential player. I think Obiang did well. Koskan did the quiet stuff in. In the middle of the park. That's sort of his MO, not, though, right? He, he does a lot of the, yeah. the stuff you expect to do. He does it, and he doesn't really make a lot of noise. Yeah, that's uh, precise. And then, but uh, when Snodgrass come in, he's 
he's not really taking the noble role. I mean, like I say, like, Obiang did the kind of hard work uh, alongside Stuart just in front of Rice. But Snodgrass filled in the num like the number 10, like in inverted commas. Like, he filled in that kind of space. He allowed Arnautovic to have that kind of... Um, had a little bit more support. Uh, he had someone... Oh no, sorry, just very quickly. Uh, Dean Garner is left-footed, uh, so he's uh, he's a bit more of an inverted winger, but he doesn't have that uh, he doesn't have that same reliance on it that the Armelenko does. Yamalenko Armelenko seems to be one-dimensional with that left foot. Yeah, so I mean, uh, Dean Garner does have that ability to sort of at least get a pass away with the right foot. Uh, we've seen Yamalenko do this sort of uh, outside of the foot almost every time. But yeah, back to Snodgrass. Um, he fills in that number 10 role a little bit uh, more than we were seeing when it was Noble and Obiang in the middle. And it's kind of like what Obiang did against Everton. He got up with Arnautovic, allowed Arnautovic to drop off and lay it off to somebody else, but also was willing to make a little run beyond Arnautovic if uh, he was going to... Uh, he's getting a bit frustrated not getting the ball. It just meant we had an extra player up there in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, someone for Anderson and Diangana to lay a pass off uh, and sort of bounce the ball and get it back. It just added that little bit more. And that's the kind of role that I hope we see. I hope we're going to see Lanzini in. Totally. Uh, just uh, sort of happy to drop back and pick the ball up. But they do their damage when they're up behind the striker. And... Yeah, I think that game hopefully showed the kind of uh, the kind of shape we're going to be seeing for the rest of the season uh, without that gap in the middle that we've uh, had a bit too much so far. Yeah, and I think I think you bring up a good point there too, where Yar Yar uh, sorry, Snodgrass is playing in that number ten role that's advanced that you want to see Lanzini play, and I I would select Snodgrass over Pedro Obiang in an alternative route to that, but. Not for the position that Obiang plays. Snodgrass is not a defensive midfielder or um, not really even a central midfielder. He's more he's more of that attacking-minded player. Um, so I think when you get a Lanzini back, it doesn't push out Obiang. It pushes out Snodgrass because then you can see Snodgrass have more of an opportunity to play on the wing should he need to come in or in, in, a, in a substitute role for that middle of the, of the field. But I think the ideal formation for West Ham when everyone's healthy and happy is I don't even think Yarmolenko would if Yarmolenko came back fit for the Huddersfield game, I don't think you could take out Diangana just based on the way he's been playing. So let's say Diangana slash Yarmolenko on, on the right side, Arnautovic up top, Anderson on the left side, and then your midfield three would be Rice anchored, Lanzini in the attacking role, and I think ideally the plan was to have Wilshire in that sort of box to box role of I can help out defensively, I can go make a run forward, I can be in a passing option for the wingers. I think that's uh, Pedro Obiang and Wilshire are sort of playing that same role. Snodgrass and Lanzini are playing that same role, and then Rice and Noble are sort of playing the other role. And it's going to be interesting, but uh, to see if and when everyone gets fit, how this team shakes out. But the one position that is not really at all in contention would be the left wing position. And Frederick, Frederick, Felipe Henderson had himself an absolute day playing against this Burnley team. Uh, I don't even know what to say about it. The score could have been four for just just him himself if it wasn't for an unlucky shot off the post in in an unbelievable that. I mean, hats. Off, I think it was Ben Mee. Hats off to him for that was maybe the best defensive clearance I've ever seen. 
Yeah, I mean, it. we've been having to go at Anderson for not getting in positions, for not getting like, more attacking. And it actually helped that his... Like, uh, if you, I wrote an article about this, um, looking at their average positions during the match. And Felipe Anderson was a lot deeper than Snodgrass or Diangana uh, in this match. And I think it helped him to have this kind of attacking from deep situation. Um, Diangana really helped... Uh, drag the defence across a little bit. And having Snodgrass means that one of the centre-backs has to step out to deal with it. And when they did that, they didn't have enough men back to then account for Anderson coming around. And he he was on it every single time. Every single time there was a run from deep, he picks up the ball and he's suddenly just got acres of space. Um, I was It's obviously disappointing when he hit the post because, yeah, that should have been a goal. But... Yeah, that clearance off the line for what would have like it would have given him a hat trick uh, at the end of the game. It, you, to have the one presence of mind to even like attempt that uh, and the ability to just react to it was is very impressive. Uh, and Anderson will have to count himself very unlucky to not have a uh, Premier League <laughs> hat trick to his name. To say to I mean, say that the like, least. Yeah, the uh, the also, like you said, he's attacking from deep. He gets to build up a lot of speed on the wing. And then uh, even on that, uh, on the goal, the first goal for Felipe Anderson, when the uh, when the play was made on by Tarkowski on Diangana, Diangana was making that play. He's a right winger. He was making that play in the dead center of the field uh, and made the pass over to Anderson. And Anderson sort of had just blown by his coverage and snuck into the, the attack. The striker, Arnautovic, took up the majority of the coverage and uh, the one defender made the mistake of stepping up to try and get to that ball, and it was it was lights out. Uh, he may have gotten a bit lucky, but also I think that Anderson saw how far out Hart was on that shot and saw his stance. Usually, usually keepers will, will come out and sort of do the half-split slide and try to cover as much ground low. Hart was out and up, and he had no opportunity. I mean, it, uh, coming from a hockey background, he had no opportunity just to close his five-fold down quickly and like a, like a hockey goalie can. He had to sort of stand tall, and it it made sense because Anderson had gone almost top corner a couple times on high shots. So the chance that he yeah. gets here, he's in his he's in his head and puts it between his legs, and then yeah, it, it was just a, a clinical finish, and, and it was something we'd been missing, not for lack of trying and not for lack of chances, but it, it's just that finishing that we finally got lucky on. Arnautovic's shot that ricocheted to Anderson for his second, and then ricocheted in the net. Like that's two breaks that finally went West Ham's way, which was. Nice to actually see that happen. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, I've, Hart is one of these goalkeepers that I feel makes little errors at times, and it the good players punish them. Uh, I think Hart has made some great. He's he's done well this season. It it's harsh for him to have conceded as many goals as he has because the Burnley Burnley defense has been very very leaky this year, and they've allowed a lot of hard chances for the keeper um i mean you see most keepers now try to stay sort of not on their line but quite close to it and then rush out at you uh, as the as the player arrives as you said i think he's worked oh i think he thought in his head uh anderson has gone high he's gone across me so i need to get out uh, a little bit more cut off the angle cut off the ability to sort of put it above my reach but yeah, well, well done, Anderson, for really noticing that. I mean, Tarkowski made a sort of 
he he well when Dean Garner gets that ball, if he doesn't step out, it's suddenly Dean Garner turning and running at the back four. Yeah. So he's stepped out to try and get it. Dean Garner, speed of mind, awareness, vision. I mean, it it, it was very mature for him to just get the ball, load, uh, offload it. Because there are a lot of young players, or a lot of players full stop, that would have seen the player there and tried to turn Tarkowski. And then if he tries to turn him, even if Tarkowski takes him out still, <clears throat> we've killed the momentum. The, uh, the attack is gone. We've just got a free kick. He's offloaded it. And Anderson's in and done the business. It's yeah, it was great. And I think we've uh, we really have to hope that that kind of speed of, speed of the attack is what I think we were missing. Um, we've we've seen a lot of good build up play from West Ham. Uh, it hasn't potentially led to a lot, but we have to have that ability to switch gears, the ability to go okay, bang, we're going to attack quickly now. We're going to. Not necessarily a counter attack at all times, but just attack the defense at speed, see what happens this time. Okay, we've tried that. Now we take it back. But not just going straight into a pedestrian mode, like a knock it around and probe the defense. I, I agree with that for sure. Uh, what do you think on the on the tackle? Was that was should that have been a, a red card? Uh, really tough because I think it it looks bad because the ball goes and. It's uh, and the guy's moving at such speed, but it's it like if there was a if there was one between a, a, a yellow and a red, it's <laughs> an orange yeah, card. It, 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 it's a classic orange card one. It's one of those where I think if if he gives a red, well, to be honest, I think if he stops the attack, if that ball just goes, I don't know if like if he knocks it through his legs, like just as a, like a nutmeg thing, and he takes him out. I you could it may have been a red. I completely agree with that. He passes it off and we go and score. I think in the referee's mind, almost like uh, sort of lessens the effect of it. So they may turn around and go, okay, I'll give you yellow, not red. But it it is right on that line of that it's reckless. It was it's potentially dangerous. Went through the player. Yeah, Yeah. there's there's definitely definitely a. call for it to be a red the dichotomy between oh. that play and the one that sent noble off for a red card is almost worlds apart there there i guess the cleats up was the big one uh yeah. yeah, kept his cleats down so i guess that saved him maybe from that red card but uh other than that the, the attack was pretty great dean Ghana instigated with a bad pass ironically the first goal for arnautovic <laughs> and then uh, chicharito picks up the ball off of a chested pass uh, the, the first of all, the cross or the long-range pass from Felipe Anderson was unbelievable. That found Antonio, but he he's clearly not been missing a lot of days at the gym. Chests it right over to to Hernandez, who almost misses the ball twice and then gets it up and then goes left foot on top of Joe Hart, who was wised up to getting low uh, and of course gets beat up high. So uh, it, it's it, it's the just desserts for healthy. Chicharito. <laughs> yeah. I think it was good for both of that, both him and Antonio, because as far as I'm concerned, and I've written about this as well, um, both of those guys are as good as gone when January comes around. But you've okay, you've you've opened up the door here, one with an assist, one with a goal, for a two month tryout to be on West Ham till the end of the season. Prove everyone, including your manager, wrong. Try and try and do something exceptional. Um, do you have anything to add on Chicharito or Antonio, or do you want to move on to the defense? Uh, well, I say, I mean, for Chicharito, I mean, I think I've said what I want to say about Antonio. Um, I, 
unless he has like a, a, a like there's a, just a, a uh, an ability transplant at some point. I just I, I, he's so frustrating. Uh, so it, that, I'd, I'm I'm reserving any judgment on Antonio until he does it re- like fairly consistently. Chicharito, that kind of goal is exactly why we bought him. He didn't take it cleanly, but he's so quick with his feet. He's got presence of mind to just sort of make sure that ball goes forward. And he finds a finish. And that's what he's there for. If he can do that regularly, absolutely brilliant. But it's a case of how often do we get those kind of chances? How is he finishing different kinds? Uh, Can he produce uh, maybe three or four more goals before Christmas like that uh, as a substitute appearance. If he can, then yeah, I'd, it'd be great to keep him. But it's it's a case of which to treat it again. Uh, you're getting the one that sort of mopes about up front or you're getting the one that looks like they're going to finish off a few chances. Uh, if you, like in the last 15, 20 minutes of a game, if you give him a chance in the box, is he sort of 80% chance of scoring it? Brilliant. Wonderful. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm all for giving him a chance, but as you said, January comes round. It's there's going to be teams after him that want to give him first team, first team game. So we'll see. And let's let's finish this uh, review look with a, an examination, a brief one, albeit of the West Ham defense. I said to you after the match, I said. Uh, when we can attack, we can't defend. When we can defend, we can't attack. So I'd love for us to put together a full a full effort here. But uh, Burnley were not really pressing at all in this game. What's kind of funny, three shots on target, six shots total, 37% possession for them. Sam Bokes was almost completely gone in this game. He, he was a non-factor. Same with Vidra, uh, the, the attacking midfielder. Goodmanson ended up getting a goal. Um, you're not going to see... You're not going to see uh, Issa Diop lose two aerial battles. They, it was just like a loss of concentration, I think, from him. He lost the first one, lost the rebound, and then Goodmanson caught uh, Balbuena and Cresswell. I won't slate either of them on this one. Cresswell played him offside, but it, it was a scrambled play that you can't really tag on him. And I'm someone who's been extremely critical of Cresswell. Uh, and the second one was just, again, poor marking in the box. A free header almost. Cresswell probably could have swung his leg a little bit harder to try and stop that at the back post, but it, it was just a great kick, a, a great kick that found a head. And uh, nothing on Fabianski, nothing on you know anyone that's really a concern. It was just one of those one of those games where we were so committed forward, um, we just gave them opportunities. And to Burnley's credit, they took both of their best opportunities and put them in the net. So you can't really. It's nothing I would say I'm concerned about. How about you? Yeah, I think it's... Uh, we've seen from Balbuena and Diop that are very good when balls on the ground. They're great at the tackle. I uh, still have a little bit of an issue with our ability to deal with like, balls just whipped in. Uh, set pieces, we got better. Uh, but we seem to have some issue dealing with it. Sometimes, sometimes it looks like our um, marking isn't planned uh because i think or i think at the weekend is it wood wood was being marked by snodgrass and i'm like what that's like, a mismatch wood, if you're if like if i know anything about this guy is he's good in the air and now even if you've got maybe balbuena and diop are worried about their center backs wood is a wood is wood, a wood's a striker uh and good in the air it 
like, it has to be someone on him that is as good. Or I, I think you leave one of their centre backs for maybe for Snodgrass and just say Snodgrass keep in front of him. the striker is the more dangerous man, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know why you would ever pass off a striker to someone else in that situation, but. They did it. Uh, I, there must might have been a plan. Then I'm assuming there's a discussion about who gets who. Uh, but yeah, maybe that's still still on the works. But I mean, the offside trap still looks good. We didn't see it as much as we did against Leicester. But we're we the defence looks far more drilled than before, uh, especially than the start of the season. And I think we're we're definitely improving in that area. So I will let uh, that go because there were there were just two chances that. Uh, yeah, I kind of like shrug and go, yeah, not too much we can do. No, I'm, I'm with you there, and uh, it's a solid place to stop for the re, uh, the review of the Burnley match. We'll go into the, the looking ahead for the Huddersfield match here, and what I will do before we go to a break is I will, uh, or a brief just commercial break there, I'm going to leave this question with you. For West Ham, would you, let's, there's rumors that West Ham have $35 million to spend plus money gained from selling. Would you want to spend a good chunk of that money on, let's say, Ryan Bertrand of Southampton uh, and have the rest of your money slashed maybe in half? Or would you prefer to hold on to the entire budget for an attacking player, midfield player, whatever your heart desires, and keep our two left backs that we currently have? Hold on to your answer. We'll get back to that just after this break. All right, we're back and we're, we're, we're revisiting the question, would you rather have Ryan Bertrand in half of our... Uh, half of our transfer funds for January or keep the entire transfer fund for a different player and stick with Cresswell and Mazuaku. Scott, what is your answer to that burning question? I think a left back is our biggest hole at the moment. I think we're, we're really, uh, there's genuinely a little like tightening in your stomach every time the ball goes down that side from the opposition. Cresswell and Mazuaku, they keep having these games where they make you think that they're improving. If you could offer me, if you said we had the Cresswell we had when he first came up from Ipswich, I would, I'd be like, yeah, no worries, we've got, like, we'll we'll spend the money elsewhere. But we have a real issue there, and I think it is impacting upon Anderson. Uh, so I think that money, someone like Bertrand, someone who's robust in defence but also pacey enough to get forward to help um, and has the ability to help going forward as well, would be amazing. I think it's. There's a there's a case for more central midfield cover, but we just seem to be sort of adding people in unless we have an actual target uh, where you could go, okay, we can get this left back or this central midfielder. Um, then you might have a decision because like, we've got we've got a lot of people just sitting in uh, like Noble suspended, um, Wilshire's coming back. Uh, again, I don't know how, how long that will be. But we have these people in the middle that can improve that. Rice is proving to be a wonderful linchpin in the middle. I don't think we need to spend out necessarily on a, another winger. Uh, I think we've got uh, we've got Dean Garner. We've got, uh, I think we've got other youth players that can step up as well. I don't think that they're as necessary as a left-back. A left-back for me is is just such a big, big issue right now. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with the fact that a left back is a massive issue for us. Um, I do like the idea of Bertrand, although he's not a spring chicken anymore. So, I mean, do you want to spend big on someone who's not going to be a long-term future player for your team? I don't know. 
I do think that this team could transform the formation to that four, one, two, three almost setup where you have one one sitting defensive midfielder and rice and two more advanced ones to a, a team that sort of sets up with uh, two defensive midfielders and then one star like Lanzini up top. Um, and I don't know if that's Wilshire. I don't know if we can ever rely on him for a lengthy period of time so far his West Ham career is, is not showing that we can, I'd like to give him more of a benefit of the doubt than that. But um, even like the name Wanyama makes me a little bit, do I, would I rather him over Bertrand? I don't know. Um, I think there's definitely an argument for either side. I, I wanted to disagree with you, but you put forward a pretty strong argument and one I can't really complain with. Um, I would have to agree with you. I think I'd take Bertrand. He, he's got the Premier League experience. I think, much like Arnautovic, not obviously not in the same sort of sense, but him leaving Southampton and coming to a team that's actually got a, an upward trajectory uh, and a manager that's attacking and forward thinking. Mark Hughes is not going to do anything except get teams relegated back to back years. So uh, I think that get, coming to a team with Pellegrini, an attacking minded guy with these some world class players, and as exciting as the possibility of Diangana, his speed matching up with Ryan uh, Ryan Frederick's speed down the one side, the trickiness and the effectiveness of Philippe Anderson with, with Ryan Bertrand could be pretty impressive. And and you can you maybe even be able to flip an Aaron Cresswell to a team like Southampton uh, if they're solidly in the relegation zone come January uh, and, and basically say, listen, we'll give you a player for cover down there. He would probably do better in the championship anyways. Here you go. I don't know. Um, but let's turn our attention to onward and upward and more pressing things. And that will be the upcoming match against Huddersfield. Huddersfield's coming off of their first win of the season. Congrats to them on that one. Uh, as the table sits right now, West Ham, I believe, are in 13th place. Yes, they are. They have 11 points from 11 matches. Not great, uh, but they are upwards. Uh, their goal differential, by the way, is down to just minus four, which is uh, a far cry from where it was earlier. Uh, Huddersfield is sitting in 18th with six points out of 11 games. They just got their first win, as I said. It came off of a 1-0 uh, win over Fulham on Monday. Uh, do you see this being a challenge for West Ham? It doesn't. It has sort of the same feeling as the Brighton match earlier, but I don't know how I'm, how I'm feeling heading into this one. Yeah, I mean, it's on the sheer just if you looked at the start of the season and gone like by just name recognition and sort of like how you feel then yeah the Brighton match would be a very similar match however Brighton are leagues apart this season they they seem solid they seem uh they seem like they've got a plan going forward Huddersfield have gone backwards from last season I mean the the year before they were the first I think they were the first season the first team to be promoted with a negative goal difference <laughs> uh, it's they made themselves hard to beat they didn't really score very much but they were resilient in the back this year they've still only scored five goals in their 11 matches but they've conceded 21 like the, yeah. there's you know there's a big mismatch in where what's happened here they're not scoring anymore but they're conceding a lot more I, I wrote an article this week about how I think there could be a lot of goals um, and I think um, like you could look at that five goals and go, oh dear, like they're not um, they're not going to be getting anything. But they do, as <laughs> they do like attacking down the right hand side, and uh, that's a worry for us. Yeah, that's uh, a, that's an alarm bell going off. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we I think they 
I, I, I don't know what it is. I've like, if you just watch some of their matches, some of the highlights, they don't deal well with uh, sort of a, uh, defending on the move. So when they've got a, like a flat back line, they haven't done too badly. But when they're trying to sort of push and move around, they are struggling. Uh, they've, obviously, they got their first win last week. So, I mean, who knows then? Knowing our luck, they've turned a complete corner and they're suddenly going to be on championship winning form. But it's a, I think we've got enough to win it. We've, we need, we'd, I'd like a win just even as a uh, even as a case of we haven't I think we've we haven't done particularly well away from home this year so far and getting a win here would just like back up that home win we had last week and get us off to a really good start for this run up to Christmas and beyond and string some points together too in back-to-back games I think uh, Dave Walker was talking about it on the West Ham Way podcast it's been since January of 2017 that West Ham have, have won back-to-back Premier League matches which is it's unacceptable, really, if you, if you think yeah. about it, uh, for a team that, that wants to be pressing for that top 10. Um, I'm looking at their team here. They they won on an own goal. Uh, it was kind of a scrap. I tried watching this match. I really did. I tried my hardest to watch pre-scout. I couldn't do it. Um, I, it was so tough to watch. These teams both are looking a little shaky. But um, Schindler put it on net, and it was eventually an own goal by Fosu Mensah of like a scrambled corner. So uh, call it what you will. Uh, their their center backs got involved on that on that play, and they do like to attack through the air. I believe uh, they will be without Billing, who I think is an important part to their team. I don't know who, judging by the other four midfielders, I don't know who they're going to have step up. The only other te- names I really know on this team are uh, Aaron Moy and Pritchard. Pritchard and Moy. Moy was actually linked with West Ham a couple of years ago or last year. Um, but Pritchard is someone who's who's interesting. Uh, younger player attacking midfield. They have him. They had him playing up top with Mooney. But I guess one thing we can say about this team is they did a good job shutting down the power trio of or, or quad, even five players that are strong. Ryan Sessegnon. I don't know why they're sticking him at left back. He did extremely well as a left winger last year. Uh, but they did bring in Andre Schurler on Fulham, so they might as well start him. Mitrovic got nothing going. Kearney, nothing going. Sari, nothing going. That's sort of the, the heart of this team is that left central side. So they did a good job shutting them down. They, they did play with five at the back or three at the back, depending on how you look at it. Um, I just I, I don't want to seem overconfident in, in the wake of the of the Brighton match and what happened to West Ham there. Although if West Ham had half the finishing they did, in the Burnley match, they would have won that game against Brighton. So who knows? Uh, I, I just don't think that there's going to be much Huddersfield can do, especially if West Ham hold on to the ball for 60-plus percent of the time like they have been in recent games. I think that Huddersfield's going to break down. Maybe they'll get a couple chances off of some scrapped corners. Um, but it, it's going to be interesting. It'll, it'll, the interesting part will be to see if West Ham can actually look at a game, say, we're better than the team on paper, we're better than them on form, uh, our mentality's stronger, our manager's better, okay, let's set up and win this game. Same same as we always do, same strategy, same players, let's get in there and, and go and get a result rather than this game's going to take care of itself. We actually have to try. And I don't want to see the slow starts that we have seen. I want to see Felipe Anderson sprinting down the wing, but also like he did against Burnley when the goals weren't coming early for him, he was tracking back super far. And like you said, he was starting his attacks from a lot deeper positions. So 
Um, just basically work hard at the beginning of the game. Show them that you haven't looked past them and pressure them hard. Uh, I don't know. I it, it seems to me that it's got the feeling of a trap game, but I just don't think Pellegrini is going to let that happen twice. Yeah, I... <laughs> If we compare it to Brighton, if we're saying we're going to play like we did against Brighton, then yeah, I mean, we're giving Huddersfield every chance. But we've got everything we need to win this match. We've got a dynamic front three, we have a strong central core, and we have an improving back line. The, the Huddersfield, Huddersfield are not going to set up in a way that's designed to overload us or pass around us. They are going to get the ball maybe in one of their back three uh, or one of the defensive midfielders and they're going to try and hit a striker. They may give it to Moy to try and do something that he's been less influential this season than he was last year. Mm-hmm. I like Moy. I think he, I saw him play out here in the A-League. Yeah, actually. why do you like him? Yeah, it makes no sense why yeah. the guy in Australia likes him, but whatever. Uh, hey, he was, uh, he played, he, I, he played for sort of my Australian team, Melbourne City. He was, he was incredible. Like he, he pulled the strings, and I would have taken him at West Ham uh, because of his work rate. But I think his the way they've got him playing this year is a bit more defensively, and it's taking away that influence, that ability to really pull, like really like get on the ball and do something dangerous. He's not done it this season, really. And my issue is, is that. Huddersfield are really strong in the air and we're not showing our ability there this season. So Rice is going to have to be very careful because they're going to try and maybe ice their, like maybe get Mounier on uh, sort of in that gap between Rice, Balboina and Diop, hit him and look for a knockdown to someone else uh, or or get the ball wide and swing it in early. There's, there's this, it's not going to be a pretty pretty gameplay from Huddersfield. They're going to be very direct. They're going to try and use what they have and fair to play. I mean, if you've got two players that are good in the air and you've got people capable of crossing and finding them, great. You go for it. But we need to we need to make sure we're pushing high. Uh, the higher we play, the better chance we have. They haven't got players that are going to get in behind us. It's not like a Jamie Vardy. And, and we dealt with him for a lot of it. We, we kept playing him offside. Have to trust that. We have to play a high line and make sure our entire team is pressing because we can't have them have 10, 15 seconds off on the ball to hit the pass. If they're hitting long balls under pressure, a lot of them aren't going to be any good. We're going to be able to deal with them. And that's where I think we have to really take the game to them. Treat it as like a home game. Treat it as though that we are the team. Like we are the team to beat you here. We have to start believing that and we have to play like it. Yeah, completely agree. And I think actually this game, like you said, if they if they hit a long ball under pressure uh, to, let's say, Mooney uh, up top, uh, Mune, whatever, uh, if they if they get it to him and he's not inside uh, the 18-yard box, he doesn't have a chance to either get a, a one-touch shot away or put a header on goal, he's probably not going to advance the play anymore if he has to turn, find someone to pass it to. He's not that kind of player. He's, he's an Andy Carroll type where it's like, a, you know, you lump the ball up to him and if you get it to him in the air, something good's going to happen. Pritchard and Moy are probably more like the uh, the players you need to worry about and get the pressure on. And I think that's where you're going to see the importance of uh, Aaron Cresswell, who will likely start as they they lost and they won the last game, and he didn't look actually all that bad in the game. Uh, and uh, Zabaleta, it's going to be more, uh, I think, in this match, 
it's going to be less uh, less attacking for the fullbacks and more uh, defensive minded. Zabaleta's done really well, and, and Cresswell will give you what he does with his crosses and whatnot going forward, but uh, they're going to need to stay more central. Same with Rice, and, and probably to an extent, uh, Pedro Obiang as well. Pressure those guys. Pressure those attacking players, the playmakers, and disrupt their ability to get the ball. And like you said, even if it's 5 seconds, 10 seconds, uh, or 5 yards, 10 yards, get in their face on that. Make them have to work for it and put them off. Look at what Zabaleta did to Chilwell, who went on to have a great game the week afterwards. I think he pushed him and told him to man up or be a man or something after he was complaining on a, on a challenge. It's just that kind of grittiness and that defensive structure that as exciting as winning games 4-2 is, you need to also be able to win games 4-0 and 3-0 and 2-0. You need to have that defensive strength. So I think it'll be a good game to watch the, the fullbacks and see just how effective they can be for West Ham. Yeah, I think it's uh, really... It's a different proposition to a lot of the time. Uh, usually we're... We'd be saying, okay, you, you, the fullbacks need to be on the wingers, but here I think Hollis will play with sort of wingbacks uh, or at least sort of defensive-minded wide players. So you're going to be asking more of Cresswell, sort of dealing with maybe where these long balls are dropping down to, where they're coming down, uh, they're coming into Mounier, and then like you fight for that second ball maybe, or you need to make sure that because we were against Burnley that. We didn't deal with it once. It sort of bounced back up in the air and they, that, that led to their first goal. So you're going to sort of have to see this tucking in. And, and yeah, that grittiness needs to, needs to remain. I think Zabaleta simply plays that way the entire time. I think that is Zabaleta. But uh, Cresswell, I'd like to see him step up and get back in the thick of it. And as you say, just show show a bit of desire to keep them out from a like the first game uh, from the first kick of the game uh, really there has to be that physical barrier because otherwise like, if we if we show we're going to be pushed around they're going to just lump it forward and just look for a set piece look for a corner and they're just going to they're going to have a field day yeah the the scouting report has to be for this team that they're that West Ham is going to hold on to the ball they're going to pass it around a ton but they are susceptible to being attacked on corner kicks or set pieces uh, and through the air. So like you said, they're, they're probably going to be looking for those positions and, and looking to establish a physical game to start. And if West Ham bites back and sticks a leg in or gets a kick in early before the cards are being handed out and says, listen, if you want to make it that way, let's make it that way. But uh, I, I'm going to take Zabaleta in a battle over Pritchard any day, I think. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Let, let's finish here with some score predictions. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot with that, and we will have our predictions come out uh, with Jeff and Jeremiah's predictions as well, and we, we won't go into too much detail. But uh, I'll, I'll start here. Uh, I'll kick it off, and I'm going to say a 3-0 win for West Ham. I know that seems a little bit uh, maybe crazy after the, the last game we, we, we allowed the two against, but I think that the biggest errors in the game were on those two goals for West Ham. Pellegrini's going to tighten those screws and make sure everyone's in the right position and is drilling for those games where, you know, we're playing against someone like Mooney and a midfielder like Aaron Moy or Pritchard. So I think West Ham, the attack's going to take care of itself. I think Diangana's going to get at least one, and, and I like Arnautovic to get another one there as well. Uh, and I think maybe an assist or two for Felipe Anderson. But I think it's going to be pretty dominant. Uh, flashes, maybe something early, but... Uh, a rather in control game for West Ham. What about yourself? I think yeah, I, I probably may not go two 0 uh three 0 sorry, I'd go with two 0 I think uh we've got a lot going for us in this match. Huddersfield are struggling to score, say even 
their win last week came with an own goal. And I would really, really like a clean sheet in this thing. I mean, we've got Man City next, like our next match. So I think if we can get a clean sheet, 2 0 win, move on, and we'll suddenly everything looks that bit brighter. And we, we kind of, it doesn't have to be an explosive match from us. Just want to see us do the fundamentals right and come away with a win. I cannot disagree with you there, much like any other time, apparently, in these podcasts. Scott, you, you talk too logical for me. Uh, on behalf of myself and, and you, and as well as the other guys, Jeff and Jeremiah and the Green Street Hammers, uh, we thank you guys for listening to us. Uh, let's go West Ham. Let's get another three points, and we'll talk to you guys next week. make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer mail checks invoices documents and everything you need to keep your business running get rates up to 89 percent off usps and ups and with the mobile app you can take care of mailing on the go make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with stamps.com sign up at stamps.com with code program for a special offer that's stamps.com code program Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.